Hi guys and welcome to this week's episode of Recovery Talk. I know we are in the midst of Christmas season and New Year's coming up. So first of all, you got through Christmas. Congratulations. Good job. Even if it didn't went well, you got through it. You're here. You're listening to this podcast. You are alive. Deep breath. You did it. Okay? Okay, some of you might still be kind of stuck with the family that you'd rather not be stuck with or finding it very triggering and difficult with New Year's coming up. And this is why I'm making today's episode to be about self-care. Oh my god, self-care. I think this word has just been completely co-opted by everything and everyone. Self-care has been used as this sales gimmick to sell us things, which really dilutes the original meaning of the word. And yeah, sometimes self-care can mean buying something. I for sure very often engage in self-care by buying myself some chocolate and sitting on the couch. But I want to talk about self-care in a little bit of a different lens, you know, in a little bit of a different perspective. And I want to talk about self-preservation as well. So I know I'm throwing out a lot of fluffy terms here, but bear with me. And I'm going to give you some more specific strategies on how to take better care of yourself, especially when things are difficult. So first of all, what is self-care? What is my definition of self-care? I mean, my definition of self-care is very simple. It's taking care of yourself. And that can look very different in different situations. Sometimes self-care could be booking in that appointment with that doctor or dietitian or psychologist or therapist or coach or whatever you, you know that you really need for your recovery. Other times self-care is putting your phone on silent and eating a tub of ice cream. Self-care is essentially about giving yourself what you need in the moment you need it. When possible, of course. In a way that actually helps your future self. So for example, if you have a dentist appointment and you really don't feel like going and you're just really tired and you're just like, oh, I'm just going to engage in some self-care and (laughs) sleep (laughs) and take it easy instead of going to the dentist. That's not self-care because it harms your future self. So in that situation, actually just pulling yourself together and going to the dentist, that would be the ultimate form of self-care. Whilst in other situations, self-care would just look like engaging in pleasure and rest. It doesn't necessarily always have to be this like big goal for the future, right? Because I see a lot of times people feel guilty about pleasure, feel guilty about, for instance, watching Netflix instead of reading this really engaging and important book or watching a cartoon instead of a documentary. But I firmly believe that self-care is also sometimes about being a little bit useless. (laughs) You know, you don't have to do everything for some higher purpose. Sometimes that's part of self-care. But also sometimes you just need to lay on your couch and watch reality TV and eat crisps, okay? So I guess self-care is about the balance between (laughs) useless and useful, right? I had a thing where I felt super guilty for watching things that weren't educational and weren't related to my studies so I didn't have a Netflix account or any of those you know streaming accounts just because I felt guilty because I wanted to instead watch educational videos right and actually letting myself have that Netflix account and binge watch Squid Game for me was self-care because learning is great but sometimes you need to just turn your brain off a bit 
Whilst in other occasions, if you are someone who postpone your studies by endlessly watching Netflix, then actually maybe pausing Netflix and spending some time on your studies could be self-care. But can you see how it's really relative? And this is why I don't like black and white talking and thinking when it comes to self-care. People are like, no, this is self-care. That is self-care. You know, depends on the person, depends on the circumstance. And I think you know deep within, with yourself, what self-care is to you. And if not, it's something to think about. Because very often the answers are within. So I want to talk about something that I briefly touched upon in last week's episode about surviving Christmas. And that is doing small things to make things more comfortable for you when you're going through a tough time. For me, this has been a game changer. Absolute game changer. When I'm having difficult times, it's, yeah, it's made them so much more manageable those times. I want to start with another dentist metaphor. You know, if you've been listening to this podcast consistently, you know that I love dentist metaphors. I don't know why. It's just such a perfect metaphor. (laughs) It just always fits. I don't know. I need more metaphors, but yeah. Another dentist metaphor. Let's go. You know, when they, you go to the dentist, they give you this anesthetic injection. And very often before you get this injection, they ask you if you want some numbing cream. And usually you'll say, yes, please. Thank you. And this numbing cream Does it take away all the pain from that injection? No, it does not. I mean, at least not for me. I can still feel that injection deep in my gums. (laughs) But it numbs it, right? It makes it slightly more comfortable. And I think when it comes to things like self-care, self-preservation, that can often be the same approach. Let me explain why. If you are going through, for instance, depression, and things are very, very difficult, then you know, eating some ice cream and watching some Netflix or having some rest or making yourself your favorite dinner, it might not cure your depression, right? But it makes it slightly more manageable. I got a wonderful comment on Instagram that just stuck with me. And I got that comment a long time ago, but it said something like, if you can't get out of the dark tunnel, then decorate it. And I thought that was so powerful because there are certain times where you can't necessarily just take all your pain away, but you can make it more manageable by engaging in activities or doing things that make you feel a little bit better. If you are very severely depressed or having a very, very bad time, that activity might literally just be having a shower, brushing your teeth or having a glass of water. Think if there is something you can do. Something you can do to make the tunnel, the dark tunnel, a little bit more comfortable for yourself right now. Because I think so often we we think in extremes, right? So if you go into a deep depression, you're thinking drastic solutions. Like, yeah, I'll change my name and move to a different country and then I'll not be depressed anymore, right? I'm not saying you can't move to another country and start a new life. I mean, you could do that, but it is a very drastic solution, right? Take small steps first. Yes, there are times where the big steps are important. But if you can't take any big steps now, take the small steps first. So I think sometimes when you are going through a very difficult time, instead of asking yourself, how can I stop having it difficult, right? You can instead ask yourself, how can I make this difficult time more manageable? And how can I do that through small practical steps that I can make now that don't take too much energy and effort? Because those small steps become a very big step when added together. Does it cure everything? Does it fix everything? No, not necessarily. But that's not always realistic either. And it might put you in a position where you are able to fix the problem, right? 
So for instance, if you're suffering severe depression, you know, just being able to have a shower and make that call to the doctor, that is the first step towards healing. Because healing usually comes in steps. And sometimes we need to take the first step first, right? Instead of just jumping to the 10th step right away. I mean, sometimes people do that. Sometimes that works, but it doesn't always do that. And I think very often people who are suffering with, you know, it could be depression, eating disorders, anxiety, they just, you know, they, they just feel so demotivated because why am I not fixed now? Why am I not cured now? Why can't I reach the 10th step now? But have some patience with yourself and just make sure that you're taking consistent steps. Sometimes you will take a very big step. Other times you might just stand still a little bit. And other times maybe a small step. Another approach that I quite like is to kind of when, when things are difficult, look at yourself as like a sim. If you've ever played Sims, you know what I mean. So basically the Sims, they have a little, uh, what can I say? There's a little area where you can see their needs, right? You can see their need for hunger, hygiene, socialization, all these different needs. And sometimes thinking of yourself a little bit like a sim that you kind of need to take care of can be helpful as well. You might notice, oh, okay, my social bar is really low right now. I should maybe contact a friend and have a chat. Or, whoops, my hygiene bar is getting pretty low. I should probably take that shower I've been putting off. And I think some people might say, oh, well, but if you make your misery too comfortable, you never want to get out, want to get out of it. But I'd actually argue the opposite, that if you manage to take small steps to make your pain a little bit more manageable, you know, engaging in some basic self-care, feeding yourself, washing yourself, getting out of bed, you are actually more able to take steps towards healing. Can misery sometimes be comfortable? Oh yeah, absolutely. But having a few days of being in a little bit of a pity party versus spending the rest of your life there, there's a big difference here. One thing that's actually helped me, and this might be controversial, is that when I'm feeling myself just having a very difficult time, you know, it could be maybe I'm grieving something or maybe my PMS is just out of control. I tend to just kind of schedule in like <laughs> a day or two or three of pity party. <laughs> Okay, not literally pity party, but I just have a few days where I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to be a little bit extra gentle with myself right now. I know I'm not feeling my best. I'm going to just vamp up on the self-care. I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to do things that feel good for me and just be a little bit extra gentle with myself and give myself a few days to, you know, cry it out. And usually when I do that, it actually really helps me process things faster because if i were to just okay let's just ignore these bad feelings let's just not you know not do anything about it let's just go on as normal it kind of just lingers right so in my case and i know this is different for everyone so if this is not you then ignore it but for me actually allowing myself to fully process and take some days and not and be okay with not being okay for a few days actually makes me only need a few days Whilst if I had not taken those days, I might have ended up needing quite a long time and it would have haunted me for longer. This is my personal strategy. You could try it, but I know also for some people that does not work. And of course, it really depends on what you're going through. You know, sometimes you might just be going through something that's a bit of a temporary hurt that you're able to just sit with for a few days and move on. And then other times there are things that are very heavy and really prolonged. I think very often we can be very good at caring for ourselves when we are, you know, physically sick, right? So imagine if you have the flu or if you have a cold, then a lot of people are able to, you know, buy themselves some medication or 
get some soup, stay in bed, be gentle with themselves. But as soon as the sickness is mental, as soon as it's, you know, a grief, a breakup, whatsoever, people are more hesitant to take these measures. There is a reason why we rest when we are sick, right? Because we know that if we just keep running around with the flu, I mean, it's going to infect other people, but also we are probably, that flu is probably going to prolong and just become worse, right? Well, than if we just gave ourselves a few days to get over it and heal. I went through a breakup a year ago and it was so bad and I literally had to treat myself like a sin. I had to treat myself like a baby. I had to schedule in crying and grieving. And I felt almost guilty for doing that because I was like, well, I'm, I'm not physically sick. Why, why should I schedule in this weekend for, you know, doing nothing? But that was what I needed. And then, of course, it came to a point where I needed to move forward from it, right? Because I couldn't schedule every weekend for a year on just ruminating. Because I think this is a big difference. Some people might confuse processing with, with ruminating. Processing is productive, ruminating is not. So it came to a point in my self-care journey where the self-care was not necessarily, you know, spending my weekend eating ice cream and crying, but my self-care was actually, you know, going to see a friend and doing something that was more distracting. Once again, can you see the pattern here? Self-care depends. Self-care really depends on the situation, time frame, personality, etc., etc. And I also want to remind you, if you're someone going through grief, or it could be certain mental health conditions, healing is not linear. Oh my god, this has been repeated so many times, becoming such a cliche, but I'll just, I just think it's so important. For instance, when I went through my breakup a year ago, I would suddenly be completely fine for a few weeks, and then boom, it would just hit me, and I would not be fine. That doesn't mean that all of those weeks were just fake, or that all my healing was just undone. It just means that healing is not linear. Same thing goes with, for instance, imagine you are having an eating disorder in recovery. You might have some weeks where things are very easy and smooth, and then suddenly just something hits you and you're just feeling super triggered. It is normal. Healing is like the weather, right? We can't always predict it. We can enjoy the sunshine when it happens, but sometimes it will rain and we still got to keep going. But also sometimes when it's really pouring down with rain and storm, it's okay not to go outside. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm the queen of metaphors. So in its essence, self-care the way I see it is being in tune with what you need and when you need it and how long for. But the truth is, this can be very challenging, especially if you are someone who's just been neglecting yourself for so long and not been listening to yourself and your inner wisdom. Then it can be literally like, okay, well, I, I don't know. I can't see, you know, it's like a sim, but you can't see the, <laughs> the need bars, right? But I also think that self-care and learning how to be more in attunement with yourself, that is also a process. And it's also something you can learn, but it does take time and it does take a little bit of a trial and error. But maybe you can try and see what works for you. And also you figure out what doesn't. Because I'm such a firm believer in the fact that you learn by doing and you also learn by failing. So for example, you might be going through something difficult and you think, oh, self-care is me staying at home and just not to be with other people and then you might realize oh wait a minute actually seeing other people helps me personally so self-care for me would be to reach out to other people instead of going inwards 
Or it might be the opposite way around, right? For instance, it's typical with breakups. Some people think, well, let me go out and party. And then it later hits them like, wait, I should probably spend some time processing this instead. Whilst for other people, their excessive processing slash rumination is part of the problem and they should probably go out to a bar. So know yourself, be honest with yourself and be curious. Don't be judgmental about how you cope with things. I think this is a trap a lot of people fall into, but they start judging like how they should and shouldn't process things. Like for instance, me, uh, like I mentioned with the breakup, I process things by literally scheduling in. I need to cry it out for a few days. I won't be fine after. It's not like I'm over it in a few days, but I need to just have those days where I, I can't really do anything. I'm not having any plans. And for a long time, I felt very judgmental about myself. Like, oh my God, canceling plans because of a breakup? How pathetic. But it wasn't so pathetic because I realized it actually helped me. When going through things, some people go inwards, other people go outwards. So some people go inwards, trying to really process and figure out and go on these investigations within themselves, whilst other people prefer to seek out more external support. And I think both are very important and people should have a nice combination of both, right? Because too much of either can be unhelpful. Too much going within can be, you know, turn to ruminating and turn to isolation. Whilst too much going externally might, you know, prevent you from listening to yourself and finding out the answers for yourself and instead making you so dependent on other people's thoughts and perspectives. So finding that balance is important. And once again, like I said, you find that balance by trial and error. How do you find your balance when you are learning to ride a bicycle? You find it by going on the bicycle and trying and falling and learning. And that doesn't mean you never fall from a bicycle again. You might, but you'll fall less. And also be aware that your needs might differ from day to day, season to season. I have a ridiculous amount of plants and I have realized this because in the summer, my plants would need so much water and I also needed to be a bit careful so I didn't burn them in the sun. So I might need to take some of them away from the window so they didn't get too much direct sunlight. Whilst now in the winter, my plants need far less water, far less fertilizer, and I try to put them closer to the window so that they can get some daylight. If I were to just pop a bunch of water and fertilizer into my plants now when it's not growing season for them, they wouldn't thrive. They're resting. That's okay. And I just love the, all the lessons I get from plants and nature because I think us human beings can be a bit the same way. We have resting periods. At least me personally, I have that. And I know quite a few people who, especially during this time of the year, winter, uh, will tend to go into a little bit of a resting mode, right? Or just full-blown winter depression. But think of it, you know, it's kind of nature. We have periods of rest. We have periods of growth. And I think sometimes we can be so scared of letting go of the old because we haven't seen the new yet that is there to come. So for instance, with my plants, um, they sometimes get their yellow leaves and I know I should take off the leaf because if I take off the leaf, it will grow out a new leaf, a leaf that is fresh and green and healthy instead of that, you know, tired yellow leaf. But when removing that yellow leaf, there will be a period of no leaf at all. That used to really bug me. But then I realized the leaf is going to grow back, right? And it's a bit of the same thing with life, you know, when we are letting go of things. Letting go of something that no longer serves us can feel very empty in the moment. But then 
because we, we can't see any immediate replacement, right? And seeking out immediate replacements not always effective either. But we know that it will happen, right? In the same way that when I take off the yellow leaf from my plant, I know that a new leaf is going to grow out. I don't doubt it. I trust nature. And we are literally nature. So why not trust that? Wow, I sound like Eckhart Tolle uh, on drugs right now. But um, yeah, I think it's a nice metaphor. Be gentle with yourself because it's literally nature. And also, if a plant is not growing, you don't get angry at the plant. You give it better growing conditions. And think the same thing applies to you as well. Look at your environment. Is it nourishing you? Or is it shading you from the sun? Is it preventing you from growing? Is it not giving you enough nutrients to grow? Maybe literally if you're eating this sort of recovery. I know things uh, are getting a bit metaphorical here, but I just wanted to offer hopefully some calm and also a big... A virtual hug to all of you because I know that this is not the easiest time and for next episode I'll talk a bit about you know new year's dieting diet culture all of that bullshit that tends to come up in the new year because it's just a few days left of this year wow it's gone so fast I am blown away 2022 wow now to a listener question. So this person is asking about alcohol in recovery. They're adding that they're using it as an excuse to purge. And they're also saying that their recovery BFF actually profits off it. Uh, I'll just make the assumption that when you say profit, you mean benefit from alcohol in recovery. But if that is misinterpreted, I'm sorry, but I will just answer it through that lens because i think that is also a situation that people have alcohol in recovery guys this could have been a whole episode uh which a lot of the questions i get could have been a whole episode but i'll try and answer it uh, briefly and the thing with alcohol in recovery is that it is so individual there is a lot of overlap between alcoholism and eating disorders so for some people recovery from an eating disorder would also mean not drinking. And I sometimes see this narrative within recovery spaces about, oh, recovery is about having a night out, getting drunk with your friends. But the truth is that for a lot of people, that's not how recovery will look like. And that's why I try not to have that narrative. Yes, for some people, that is what recovery will be like. You know, that is something they look forward to in recovery, you know, going out, having some drinks. But for other people, there is no such thing as a few drinks. And you who asked the question were very honest. You said that you use it as an excuse to purge. And this is a clear indicator that it's not really a healthy way to use it. You don't add whether or not you struggle with, you know, binge drinking or use alcohol in ways, you know, to cope with emotions. But you are at a point right now where you are using it as an excuse to purge. And that is a clear indicator. It's not necessarily a healthy thing for your recovery right now. And I see this sometimes that people can use alcohol as, a, as an excuse to purge because they drink and then they get quite drunk and then they throw up and it's like, whoops, and the eating disorder sneaks in there. But almost in a socially acceptable way because, you know, throwing up when you're drunk, I mean, it's not my eating disorder, I'm drunk, right? Um, but the eating disorder is also kind of pushing a little bit there, right? Because the eating disorder wants you to throw up. 
or as you say flat out, in your case, you use it as an excuse to purge. So what I would encourage you to do is to not look so much as your friend who you say, you know, seem to have a good experience with alcohol and recovery and actually find that a nice thing. Because yeah, that's the case for some people. I see some people in eating disorder recovery who avoid alcohol because they're scared of the calories and having a glass of wine for them is part of their recovery. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's part of your recovery because everyone is different. So be honest with yourself. How are you using alcohol in recovery? In my personal case, I haven't had any issues with alcohol. I don't really like drinking much, but I was scared of alcohol because of the calories. So for me, coming to a point where I could have a glass of wine, that was a good point for me to come at. But I know other people who there is no such thing as just having a glass of wine, right? In the same way that for people with eating disorders, there is no such thing as just going on a diet. So what your friend is doing, what is right for some people, isn't necessarily right for you. Anyone who tells you, oh yeah, but for me, actually having alcohol and drinking and recovery was very helpful, when you know that's not the case for you, I mean, these people are projecting. You know what's right for you. And if you don't, then take some time to go inwards and actually be honest with yourself. And also, if you're questioning your relationship with alcohol... There is no reason not to take a break, you know? You don't need to be like, oh, I'm not sure if I have a problem with alcohol, but because I'm not sure, I'm just going to keep drinking. You're allowed to take a break and see how that feels for you, see if that feels better. And equally, if you're someone who's been avoiding alcohol because of the calories, then you might have a completely different approach. You might think, oh, actually, having some alcohol could for me be helpful. It's individual. I know I repeat that every episode, but it is individual so 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 individual but it is very important to acknowledge that alcohol misuse and eating disorders often co-occur and i don't think the narrative that oh recovery is about partying and drinking i don't think that's a helpful narrative for this group but for other people who are rigid home alone every night and don't touch the alcohol because of the calories and really actually do want to go out party with their friends and don't have any alcoholism then that might, that might be part of their recovery, right? Then I don't want you to take the fact that some people struggle with alcoholism as a reason for you not to implement this fear drink. And equally, if you are someone in recovery who know that alcohol is not for you, then I don't want you to hear other people saying, oh, I'm challenging my fear of alcohol and take that as a reason why you should also drink. Be honest with yourself, okay? It's individual. I hope this episode was helpful and I will see you guys next year oh no that's such a cheesy joke i'm not gonna say it but i will (laughs) technically (laughs) okay bye bye guys